Welcome to Stemming in Stilettos with Dr. Tasha, a podcast for and about women of color in STEM. These women are brave, beautiful, and brilliant. Their stories deserve and need to be heard. Their voice strong, their message clear, their experiences priceless. Now let's welcome this wonderful winning woman of color to the show. Hello, and welcome to Stimming in Stilettos with Dr. Tasha. The main focus of the show is to highlight and showcase the stories of minority women in STEM. It is my belief that if we want to encourage minority girls to pursue STEM careers, they should first hear and learn from those who have lived those stories. It is my job to provide a safe environment for them to do so. So let's welcome this beautiful and vivacious woman in STEM to our show. All right. Hi, and welcome to STEM Against Stilettos with Dr. Tasha. Again, we are back with another episode. Uh, today, our guest is Ms. Nikisha Horn. Uh, I am really... <laughs> I'm really excited to have you on the show. Hi, Nikisha. Thank you. Hi, how are you? Man, I'm I'm actually really good. I'm excited about what you have to say today. And um, I'm always excited when I have another minority woman on the show to talk to mm-hmm. about um, being in STEM and what's your, your specific area of expertise within STEM, because we know STEM is so broad. But um, I'm really excited. And considering that I kind of know some of your story, I'm really excited. Um, So as we start every show, um, I ask all my guests the same question. And so I'll ask you. So Nikisha, tell us your STEM story. All righty. So my story really dates back probably from the womb. <laughs> um, I believe I always knew some somewhere deep down inside that I was destined to be um, in the STEM field. Um, it all started with my mother. Um, she's definitely my inspiration. She was a science teacher. And um, as we all know, um, African-American young girls and even young boys, when we um, go to school, we always um, find some of our favorite classes most people always run away from that science class. That's always the class that people try to ditch, try to dodge some way, somehow, because it just it's, a lot of times it may be hard to relate to because it could be working with people who may not look like you, um, may not even understand your background. But my mother um, came from that really strong um, background with her science expertise. And I also had an uncle who was an engineer um, in the STEM field and I also had an aunt as well. So I was that kid, always growing up, um, doing, the, doing the very best she could in those science fairs, and which is always really interested in science. And I, I think probably what piqued my interest was I was always that inquisitive child, always wanted to know the who, what, and the how. And that's pretty much what science teaches us. It always teaches us to push the envelope back. Don't just accept an answer for what it is. Um, or don't, don't always go with the status quo. Always push to figure out why something happens or who is doing this or what is actually in, um, involved with these typical interactions. So that's pretty much the very beginning of my um, STEM. 
Uh, then I ended up um, attending a wonderful HBCU, Tennessee State University. Yes. Um, and I majored in, first majored in engineering, civil engineering. Um, again, I was always finding barriers for not, not re really African-American women or even um, uh, men or women were really involved in school. I attended a very um, specific and specialized high school. It was the Chicago High School for Agricultural Sciences, where again, um, STEM was heavily focused. And so it was focused mainly around agricultural science. And around that time, um, I was active in an organization called FFA. Um, it was known as the Future Farmers of America, but now that they quickly um, just basically go off of FFA. But again, it's the different horizons of how science can be applied to something else. So imagine high schoolers working in, in Chicago on a farm, <laughs> learning how to make their own pickles. We were learning all about horticulture and agricultural science and food science and environmental science. And I never thought all of these things would come full circle. So all of that information I learned, um, developed um, as a young freshman and sophomore at Tennessee State with majoring in civil engineering. I then later decided to go into this regular chemistry. Um, after a while, I figured, um, I think the program I was doing was a little bit more too specific and more of a civil or environmental scope. I wanted more of a broad scope for my undergraduate career. So that's why I decided to, to go to chemistry. Everybody laughed at me like, girl, people who go from engineering they usually go to computer science or something, something else. They say you went to something harder. <laughs> so, but again, chemistry, I guess all that STEM was always pretty much my passion. Uh, so then upon graduation, I um, received a job offer. I worked for um, a company on the East Coast, DuPont, where I was working on developing textile and printing ink um, for different um, companies. And I just thought it was, I was really interested in science, uh, but really was just not my passion. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you go about finding things that you're passionate, you always, things always kind of tug on you and then you just really try to search yourself and find your journey to figure out where, you know, best be met. I think around that time, I was definitely my young self, very impatient, is wondering what life would be in store. Mm -hmm. I always really gravitated towards beauty and towards consumer products. And I just never really knew how um, or what, what, the, what the deal was. So how do you go about making, you know, beautiful products, beauty products, hair products, skin products. So one day uh, on my way back from um, the East Coast, I decided to move back to Chicago. And uh, I drove up to a company, um, uh, it, was, it was a Black-owned company products. And at the time, Softsheen was just acquired by L'Oreal. And I actually just drove up there. And I gave them my, oh, okay, okay. So on my way back from the East Coast, I actually went to a company called Soft Sheen, excuse me, Soft Sheen Products. They were a manufacturer and developer of African-American hair care products for multicultural. Yeah. And so they were just acquired by L'Oreal. And so I, don't, I think at the time they were probably running a lot of um, job openings there, but I just say, let me just step out on faith. This is something I've always just been interested in. It's piqued, uh, piqued my curiosity. I didn't even know if it was such thing as chemist, you know, there. Mm -hmm. So I just told them I wanted to be their next chemist. And I remember that security guy was just so surprised. I actually drove up there in my suits <laughs> with my resume, <laughs> like I was having an interview, you know. He was just absolutely surprised, you know. And so I know he took my resume right into the HR person. I want to say maybe a week later, HR called me. Um, and then from there, um, I started my career in, in actual consumer products, goods, and cosmetic field. And so upon the acquisition um, of Soft Sheen, later on, another company um, was acquired by by L'Oreal, which is called Carson Products, and that birthed Saucine Carson. So I was with the company for almost 15 years, 
developing from an associate chemist all the way to a group leader. And again, it's really concentrating and learning all about the science um, of products and also the science and the, um, the morphology and chemistry of African-American hair. And just learning all about those things really just um, piqued my interest quite a bit. And so um, once the company decided to move to on the East Coast, it was also another transitional period in my life. Um, I became, I went from Miss to a Mrs. And then I've had, I was a mother of a young, young little girl. Uh, so then um, I just took some time doing more freelance work. And then later I got the call for Namaste Laboratories to be their research manager there. Um, also the head of, basically the head of the um, R&D department. So from there, my role was to help spearhead more of the hair, hair care technologies for, for that brand. One of the major brands there is the ORS olive oil line. So I did that about two and a half years. Um, then afterwards, um, I worked for a um, chemical manufacturing company where I studied surfactants and emollients. So surfactant is the main chemistry that goes into our hair care, um, hair care, and also our body care, shampoo and body wash products. So mm -hmm. not only did I have the background in developing um, the product, I actually learned a lot more about the chemistry of those ingredients that interacted with those products. So my role as the, I was one of the senior research chemists there um, for the personal care team, and I would work with the sales managers and our research and research uh, um, chemists there to help develop new ingredients to make end-user products more friendly. So I think that that role was uh, really meant at the time of my life for me to understand. Well, you know, going back to, so basically we know what, what um, products interact really well to make our hair, hair better, but how can we work with companies to make better ingredients so that way we can make better products for, again, the end user. So I thought it was a really um, nice, nice time. And so now I am here two years later, I am I'm a senior lab manager for a major contract manufacturer. And so contract in this role, I support several brands, not only one brand or several brands, and I expand more into hair care and skin care. So now I have all types of products. I have shampoos, conditioners, body washes, facial um, products, things that are that, um, that are more into anti-aging, anti-wrinkle. So pretty much the whole gamut. And it's, it's quite exciting work. So. I bet. It sounds, you know, I, without me knowing specifically, it just sounds fun. It sounds it like... Is. You get to go to work every day and you get to honor who you are um, working in the products that you work up with. Mm -hmm. So I can't even, I just, I, I feel like, <laughs> I just admire this work. I just, I'll just say that. I admire this work. Thank you. Thank you. It is. It's, I would say it's, it's a godsend. You know, sometimes when you walk into to things, I think what also what's more interesting, we don't have many um, women from our perspective, African-American women's perspective in developing products. I right. think a lot of people, um, when I look into the industry, have a lot of, it's heavily male-dominated. Um, not many women even know about it, let alone African-American women. So it's really um, a, a true blessing and it's a great opportunity to be to be able to be involved in shaping the products for other um, multicultures, not even just black women. It's the different um, cultures, different sciences, different arts that go behind developing products for different um, multicultural races. So let me ask you a question. What do you think is the reason why this isn't more known? It isn't more, the, what you do isn't more known? More, it depends on more known for who. So I think that's the key. It's probably not known for African-American women, because we don't have as many as many of us in the representation in, in the in the area to speak mm -hmm. more about. 
it. Um, I think I believe there are less than one percent. I'm not sure of the statistics now, but I know there's probably less than one percent of African American women who are actually in this field. So if you don't have anyone to actually go out and speak um, to our youth and speak to our um, collegiates about it, it's really hard to spread the word. Um, the one, the good news is a lot of our colleges and universities are much doing a much better job with respect to preparing undergraduates and even graduates um, to have the the, um, the educational background to, to develop into this industry. Uh, so certain schools, such as I know University of Toledo, they have a concentration in cosmetic science through their pharmaceutical program. I've heard about uh, Fairleigh Dickerson University, uh, Rutgers University. So now even different schools are actually coming strong, coming with really um, strong curriculums that center around uh, pharmaceutics, pharmaceuticals, uh, which is basically the formulation of drugs and the formulation of cosmetics. So getting getting those students to, to be more understanding and how wonderful it would be for HBCUs to be able to connect um, with this with this um, type of opportunity as well. I, I think agree. One thing that's just really really hurting. So most people think science you end up being a science teacher or you end up being um, again I still have that passion for scientification as well. But that you always are in a box where you either be a teacher or you're going to the pre-med route preparing for medical school, dental school, some people law school and patents and stuff, you know. So it's really rare that you get, get a chance to go into an industry such as cosmetics or personal care. Um, and, and it's really be influential in that area. So I think we had more um, African-American women in this area and to do more mentoring and outreach and advertising, we probably mm. see, a, see a much better um, response. Well, I, I'm well. I'm glad to have you on the show, um, and I'm glad to help spread the the word and and get the message out there that hey, this is a viable career, and yeah. we need we need more minority women, more just a diverse swath of women to be represented here because you guys are really doing you're doing work. You're doing we we probably use products from your, the the one of the, some of the manufacturers that you you know are contracting with. Mm -hmm. It, there's probably in our homes right now. We're putting them on our hair. We're putting them on our skin. We're, you know, we're we're having reactions to them. We're doing all these things, and we don't have a say, right? Um, and and I and by say, I don't mean like, oh, I don't want to use this product. I mean, hey, this is better for skin with more melanin. Yeah, <laughs> this is better. This is better for African American hair. Yeah, yeah. You know, yes. those are kinds of things. Um, those kinds of things, which I think are really important. I think I think more people are more conscious of the need for um, more these products, but I'm not sure if they know the work that goes behind on behind the scenes. Yes, 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 and, and even the understanding of um, our own unique hair morphology, our own unique skin, you know, uh, background. So that's that's always you know critical too. Yeah, yeah. And it's also critical for companies. To make sure you have diversity so that way you have different perspectives and so you know we have different formulation needs um for different people depending on their own particular need so you want to make sure you come from a come from someone or you work with people who so that way you're able to address all of our consumer needs okay um i man i feel like we could talk about this um some more but i do have a couple of questions a couple maybe one question maybe two um so who has been some of your mentors? Ah, great, great question and great question. So some of my mentors, I would say uh, quite a few in the industry. 
Um, I had one one um, person. I was, she's phenomenal. She her name was Angela Ellington. Yes, An Angela Ellington. She was um, the AVP, Associate Vice President um, of Research and Development at L'Oreal. So she was over our multicultural formulation development. Uh, she may not know it. Another person who I always was influential by, her name was Dr. Victoria Holloway Barbosa. Uh, she is she was the Vice President of R&D at L'Oreal. Um, right now, very. Um, profound um, African-American female dermatologist. So she came with the, with the whole science of the hair and science of um, the skin um, background. So she's another um, heavy influencer. Another young lady, wonderful. You probably will meet her soon, um, Dr. Crystal Porter. Uh, so she's again a, a physicist and also a chemist as well. Uh, we used to work together quite a bit. Um, so she, they mentioned me in several different angles. You know, one um, with, with respect to formulation maturity and learning the ropes of product development. I would say Dr. Barbosa was highly influential with respect to the science um, of hair and the science of skin and how important it is. Um, to understand those interactions as well as Dr. Porter. And then also just about championing, uh, championing excuse me, women, um, yeah. African-American women out in color, you know, of color. So it's just, it's a wonderful thing, you know, to be around. And I, I would think other arrays of mentors that have come in my life, um, you know, organizations, especially such as Society of Cosmetic Chemists. Um, I was a lifelong member of Nobuche, National Organization of Black Chemists and Chemical Engineers for many years. So many people um, in and out, in and out of my life from that area, too. Man. And of course, you know, mom, mom, you know, she's, she, she tells me she's not, not a cosmetic scientist, but, you know, mom, <laughs> always, uh, I still go, go to her for that advice when it comes to um, interaction as you develop, develop your career, understanding the politics and understanding, you know, who, who to sit around and and how to always be, be, be your authentic self as you develop and grow with your different career. And, and I think that that's really important. Well, okay, first off, let me just say how much I admire you, right? Oh, um, thank you, sweetie. Thank you. I think you do um, the work you do and the work you're doing, um, just sort of getting your getting yourself out there is so needed. Um, and the work that you're doing for us behind the scenes that we don't, <laughs> we don't even know. Um, I think that, that that's really important. Um, so having you in the role that you're in doing the work that you're doing, um, don't let anybody tell you that it's not important. It really is. Um, and so um, thank you for picking up that mantle, um, even though it probably wasn't, the, you know, wasn't, that wasn't the major thought, but thank you for, <laughs> thank you for doing that. I mean, it's amazing. I, oh, I, thank you. My heart is full. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So. Tell us what you have going on right now um, and where people can find you. If, they, if they're looking for you, and I'm pretty sure they're going to be looking for you after this episode. So tell us where to find you and what you're doing now. So right now, I'm still full-time with the company I am with. Um, so it's really busy, busy, busy times for me with developing for several projects and, and organizations. I'm heavily found on LinkedIn. So you can look, on, look at me under Nikisha Horn, N-I-K-I-S-H-A-H-O-R-N. I am definitely present on the LinkedIn community. Um, also, right now, I'm active in other or several community organizations. I do quite a few speaking engagements, um, so I'm definitely available 
Um, anytime that you need me to come to speak uh, to about uh, careers in African-American women and careers. Um, I'm also soon to be launching an organization, um, excuse me, a project that's really get, uh, geared towards young girls and cosmetic science. So it's called Beauty and Science, where beauty is actually an acronym. Um, beauty stands for bringing ed education, authenticity, and, and understanding of cosmetic science to young girls. So that's something I really always wanted. That's why I was so excited <laughs> to work with you because um, I really want young girls to understand it's not always just about, oh, this is um, my dream is to be maybe be a teacher, which is wonderful. My dream could be a doctor, but there are so many other careers. And also um, to bring that excitement to science. You know, I don't want people to be afraid of, 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 a, of a field that they may not have an understanding. But they have someone that they can gravitate to and then see it in the applied usage of science. That will also be something very remarkable. Because trust me, every one of those classes will come back to bite you. I, like, I never thought geometry would mm -hmm. be anything. Here's a good, a good example. I never thought geometry <laughs> would really matter to me in, in my career. It's so heavily important now in cosmetics because we use all those geometrical features, all of those um, angles and stuff when it comes to packaging development to make sure our formulas are compatible with our packaging. So whoever you know would have thought that. <laughs> nice. And I swear, like I hated organic chemistry. Oh my gosh, organic chemistry was not was not my. <laughs> Right. But it's all I'm working with when it comes to, you know, we, we hate silicones. So what do we do? Go with organics. <laughs> so right. trying to find all, all those different molecules and structures to interact with our skin and give us some of the same performances as we wanted with some of those, you know, I guess the silicone. No, no. But that's a whole other story. We'll talk silicones. Well, so, so I have a question. Finding that. Yeah. Well, if that just leads me to a question. Um, yeah. And I think it's just because I'm, I'm curious like that. Mm -hmm. So how long? So let's just say. You have a you have a thought idea. It's like okay, so I'm I want to do a lipstick. Let's let's go with a with a perfume. Mm -hmm. And you know you, I want to put these. I want to put lavender with oriander. I don't know. I'm just saying. And yes. you know because I think the two of them together just smell so wonderful. And I think we should have a mist. Mm. How, so like let's just say that's the thing. Um, how long from like that idea phase? to it actually getting in a bottle and mm -hmm. being on a shelf to be sold. Yeah. So I would say it depends on the complexity of what it is. Typically, um, I recommend entrepreneurs, give yourself at least one year mm -hmm. to try to get it um, actually tested, developed, and proved, uh, and um, I guess proven effective. So, but if you, if you go straight to a contract manufacturer, it can take sometimes a little less, maybe about nine months, versus you trying to go um, on your own in your kitchen, develop your own formula, then go to a country manufacturer. So I, I guess it kind of depends. You got pluses and minuses on both. So some entrepreneurs that prefer not to worry about their own formula, they don't want their own um, you know, intellectual property, they want to go quick speed to market. So that's one of the quickest ways. Go straight to a company such as mine and contract mm -hmm. manufacturing. Second, if you want to have your own business, be your own entrepreneur, develop your own formulation so that way you have your own intellectual property, uh, you have to start with your own formula recipe, then you have to work with a lab to be for them to be able to industrialize that and to commercialize it. So because everything that we have um, in your own kitchen or just maybe each individual may have, we won't have those same ingredients when it comes to actual commercial or industrial scale. So we have to be able to do what's called like, we may make sure we can um, transfer the, your formula to a more real life scenario. So that can be one year. Now, I have seen so many other cosmetic chemists who want more brown, gray, excuse me, groundbreaking type um, 
innovations and ideas that can be within like maybe one, two years. So if it's just like an ingredient that's not already um, heavily used in this personal care industry, it's, it's a whole new ingredient we're trying to develop. You have to go through the ingredient substantiation, the ingredient safety profile. Wow. Then they can go, you know, goes into an actual final formulation and stuff. But there are like several hundreds and hundreds and thousands of ingredients already um, substantiated for their safety um, within personal care, too. So. So a lot of times you don't really have to start, you know, brain spanking new from scratch. Right. Okay. I don't know that, you know, so, so I think about, and this is nothing against these individuals, but like, so I think about, you know, going to like the open, open air market or the market, you know, farmer's market, you have somebody selling shea butter, they, there's, mm-hmm. there's, they're selling, you know, some kind of mist that you can, you know, you can put on with the oils mixed in and it's like, oh, you're like, this is so wonderful and so on and so forth. And, um, and they, you know, I'm, I'm thinking in my mind, I think I'm thinking in my mind, they're manufacturing this stuff, even though it's like packaged and stuff mm-hmm. in their house um, and with, with not a thought that there's a, there's a, there's an idea. This is a, this is a, this is an idea that I can take to a company such as yours to see if it can be it's distributable, if that's the word. And can be mass packaged or mass uh, produced in, in a way that is still beneficial to a large portion, large swath of the, of, the, uh, of our community. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I just, I had not thought that that was, that was how that would go. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but so basically it's exactly how it starts. You know, like after a while, um, depends on the entrepreneur. Some people want to um, invest in their own capital where so they can start their own manufacturing and to be able to withhold it within, within yourself. Some people decide not to take the risk and bring their own manufacturers. That's why you have contract manufacturers. Mm-hmm. So different contract manufacturers go, you know, depending on the type of brand or whatever they're looking for, different quantities, minimal order quantities, um, different um, fast beats market and certain contract manufacturers have certain more, more expertise in a certain area. So I have like my expertise is more beauty, personal care in that space. Mm-hmm. So that we have easier access to different suppliers um, to, to be able to get us those promised ingredients quicker, faster, faster speed. Than some other people. I, okay. So here's another question. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to get the words. <laughs> <laughs> Take your time. Um, Cause in my, I, I guess in I'm thinking through, um, and you had said, I think you had said it something earlier about if you are, if you have an idea, you can come to um, a contract manufacturer and, and intellectual property is mainly where I'm getting at. Okay. So do you own the formula after a person has come to you with an idea, whether they have, I guess it's different if they've come with, hey, this is the formulation as I do it, and here are the ingredients. Then if they said, hey, these these are two things that I think should go together. Let's see, let's see what we can manufacture. Mm-hmm. So, but who owns it after that? So I think it depends on how your initial contract is set up. Most of the times, when you if you come to any not with my company, so does any company. Um, with an idea, they end up owning the, the, the intellectual property because they're the ones developing the formula. So they are on the intellectual property. Mm-hmm. Unless you go to them and specifically say, I want to buy this formula, then of course, within your cost of goods, um, that whole costing of the, the, phone, the formula ownership would go to you. Uh, you have to pay a certain amount of money for, for that. 
But most of the times when you do go to um, contra manufacturers, they end up owning intellectual property because they're the ones developing the formula. I I guess I get that. So, so, and I I don't know if you know the answer to this. If you don't, it's fine. If you do or you can't tell me, it's fine too. Um, So what do they do? Once, so once you've come and gone and let's just say you don't have the funds or you can't, for whatever reason, buy, buy your formula. Mm-hmm. Cause then you can't, you, you can't use it once, like once you've manufactured and done all you've done um, and you like, I don't know, you've moved on. Um, you can't use that formula anymore because it doesn't belong to you or can, do they, how does that work? I guess. Oh, you mean the entrepreneur, like so, yeah. so let's say that, 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 that's the risk they take. So if they do not own the formula, they won't be able to transfer that formula anywhere else. Mm-hmm. So then they will have to pay, basically go to another company and then you can give the, the company your standard and then it's on to the next country manufacturer or the next set of chemists, whoever, to try to reverse engineer that formula. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is intriguing. Yeah. 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 We're getting down that road. So we haven't had a little talk on the side. <laughs> you know, I guess. Very yeah. intriguing to me. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I have one last question for you. Yeah, and it is, and this is the question that we ask all of our guests at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could go back, if you could travel through time, if you could go back and talk to your younger self, what would you tell her and why? Wow. Wow. Younger self is so funny. I just had my birthday too. So I would say rewind back maybe 20 plus years, fresh out of college. Um, I think I would probably tell myself, I think I was, that was around the time where, you know, we were all fresh out of college. We were trying to figure out what do we want to do? You think you, you think you know everything. We think we're grown. You know, we want to take things on our own time. You know, I would probably tell myself to be patient and wait. Everything is going to work out. Mm. Yeah. That's the big thing. And then, um, also, my one of my favorite scriptures, Habakkuk two and two, uh, write the vision, make it plain on the table. So I would just again just make sure you're following your vision. Don't let anything else try to supersede your vision or try to supersede the direction you're supposed to be going for your own self. Oof. You just spoke a whole word to me. That is, I promise you, I, I must say that verse um, yeah. at least once a week. Yeah, right, write the vision, make it plain yeah. on some. T- I just because sometimes I don't get it. Like I don't. Yeah. So, so I'm like, oh Lord, you gotta make it plain for me. Like, mm-hmm. So it's always no. It's gonna work out. We, we always want to see everything right ahead. We're just afraid to step out or step out on faith. But there's no in the end. It's all going to work out. And every situation is always for your good. It's building up to your next destiny. It's building up to your next experience. Yes, I totally agree with that. Um, and if you've taken nothing else from the show today, that mm-hmm. right there was worth the 30 minutes that you spent with us oh, today. Yeah. Thank you. I have to preach to myself sometimes too, but yes. Thank you. I, I promise you it's the thing. I promise you. I mean, and you need to, it's because the way we, you know, the way things have been going lately, um, not just for individuals, but for the world, we really need to know that, A, it's going to work out for our good in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and that all of this was building us up to be even more bigger, faster, stronger, greater than, than we are at this current moment. So um, sometimes we just need to sit in it and, it, and that's not always easy to do, um, or, or being patient, like you said, um, that's not easy to do, um, but I, it really does work out in your favor in the end. So um, really, thank you for... Thank you. 
Oh, thank you. My pleasure. My pleasure. Anytime. Thank you so much. Yeah, you've given us so many nuggets today that um, I I feel like this is going to be one of those episodes where it gets played over and over and over again. And I sincerely hope so. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really hope that my listeners um, hit you up because um, I'm I'm certain that there is more that you have to say mm-hmm. um, and more that you have to give. And I just thank you for being a guest on our show today. Oh, absolutely. Again, indeed, my pleasure. Thank you so much. So you guys, this is, this is, this is it. This is the end of today's episode. And I know that you have gotten all the nuggets um, that have been dropped today. Um, And as always, as we end the show, I'm wishing you well, and I hope that you are safe and in good spirits. And until we meet again, y'all be good. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Stimming in Stilettos. I sincerely hope that you learned something new from our guest today. Remember that you can listen to Stimming in Stilettos anywhere podcasts are found. You can follow us on Facebook at Stimming in Stilettos. You can find Dr. Tasha on Facebook and Twitter at Dr. Tasha 11, Instagram at Dr. Tasha. So until next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Stemming in Stilettos. Please check out the show notes to get additional information about today's guest or today's topic. You can find the podcast on every major podcast platform. You can find additional information about Dr. Tasha at www.drtasha.com. Thanks again, and don't forget to tune in every Tuesday for the latest episode of Stemming in Stilettos.